0: to be here. Uh, we are just going to continue our Year of the Bible series. Uh, we've been going through the, the one-year Bible as a church this entire year, and it's been really good. Um, and every single week what happens is we read or we, we share a message from the previous week's reading. So like this last week, if you, if you read each day this week, you'll understand or you'll hear a lot of things that we talked about or that you read about in today's message, and the same thing will happen next Sunday. So don't beat yourself up if you haven't been reading the one-year Bible. Just start today. Start today and read through Saturday, and then next week, you're going to hear a message from that week's reading. And uh, today, we're going to really talk from the the book of 1 John. It's, it's really amazing. 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John um, seem to all have a pretty common theme, a pretty, pretty um, common element to what... Uh, The author is trying to communicate. The author is John. John was a disciple of Jesus. Jesus has left the scene. He's off the planet Earth. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And... And John is just building the church now. You know, he's, you know, that's a lot like Christianity. You know, we live, we make that decision to follow Jesus and it's like, yeah, life changed. Everything's different, but then we continue life and then we build off of this foundation that that God has given us and through his son, Jesus. But what's going on is John is communicating to the church through letter. And he's writing these letters to the church. That's what 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John are. They're just letters to the church. And what he's doing is he's, he's tackling some issues that he's seeing in culture, that he's seeing in the church. And what we're gonna do is really just talk through one of the letters that he wrote to the church. And it's, it's under one big umbrella and it's about the topic of sin. You see what's going on at this point as he's writing the church is the two big themes of all of his letters are this. It's, he's talking about false teaching. Uh, because what's going on is Jesus came, he ascended, and then everybody's talking about it. And then there's some different types of teachings that are coming out that are just not accurate. They're not biblically true. They're not, they're not firsthand accounts of what took place and they're just an error. And John is, is standing toe to toe with them saying, hey, this is wrong stuff. And then all of his letters have a common theme that talk about the love of God. Uh, it, it is the love of God that changes everything. You know, the fact that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us is enough. And uh, that's what he's continually reiterating. He's saying, guys, God loved you, so you love people. God loves you, so you love people. And uh, that's still what we're talking about today. So what I'm going to do is talk, communicate, share on the the deception that John was talking about and and addressing uh, that was occurring in the church on the topic of sin. That feels weird, right? Saying church and there's sin inside of the church, but the church is, is an organization that's made up of a whole bunch of people. It's us, it's you, it's me. And uh, my prayer is that God would speak to each and every single one of you, unique uh, and individually today. But I wanna pray and then we're gonna get started. Father, I thank you uh, for the opportunity to communicate your word. So God, I pray that today it would be your word that goes forth, God, that it would be clear God, that it'd be precise. God, we prepare our hearts right now to receive from you. God, all of us, we we get out of the way and God, we're asking you to speak directly to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's these two categories of sin that John instantly addresses inside of the church. And the first one is that of sinless perfection. There was a group of people and even a group of teachers that began to speak and wear this, this theme on their life that was kind of like, I don't sin and uh, like no way in the world. Maybe you know somebody like that or maybe, maybe that's you. Like I've been around this thing for far too long or I am way too good to sin. It was this sinless perfection and in First John, it's really right out of the gate. He writes to this group of people and he writes to the people that are hearing teachings about this and he addresses it right off. And he says this, he says, if we claim to have no sin, he says, and we're just fooling ourselves. He said, there, there's no way. He said, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not even living in the truth. It's important to know some words that he says here because Jesus says that he is the way, the truth and the life. He says, you're not even living in the truth if you're saying that you don't have sin. And you know, maybe that's a category that we fall into at times or even in this moment saying, man, come on, move on to the next thing. I, I, come on, let's get to something else because sin is just something that I've moved further and further away from. You see the progression of the life of a believer is that we would look more like Christ, but it is absolutely impossible to be Christ. And sinless perfection was something that was being taught. And the danger in sinless perfection or the life or a life that looks like that is the more that you exalt yourself up above things like that, first, it's the longer the fall is going to be because pride does come before the fall. But also, you begin to look down on people the sinners, the dirty, the bad when we read very clearly in the word of God that that's actually the group of people that Jesus came to this earth for. So what I would encourage you to do, and I believe the Holy Spirit would instruct you to do, is to get off your sinless perfection podium, admit where we are, and begin to move forward. And the second group of people that that John is addressing is this group of people in the church that were practicing sin practicing sin. Have you ever heard the saying, practice makes perfect? Think about something that you've practiced a lot. You become better and better and better and better over time. That's the goal of practice is that you would accomplish the goal of this thing that you're learning, crafting, so that you might have the benefits of that. I loved basketball growing up, still love it. I played basketball. I was the kid during the summer, that would sit out in my driveway. We had this big dirt driveway and I would play basketball from eight in the morning until four in the afternoon. That's what I would do, except for like the two days a week that I had to take my brother to summer rec and he would go do something that wasn't basketball. But I would play basketball. I was a kid that you would drive by and kind of laugh at because I was in my driveway all by myself, but I was talking to myself. And uh, now I don't know who you think the best basketball player of all time is, but there's no doubt it's Michael Jordan. So all you LeBron, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are a Christian church. Amen. <laughs> I would be in that spot, I would throw the ball to myself and of course I was always Michael Jordan. You're not gonna be B.J. Armstrong, come on. So. I'd get the ball and I'd shoot and I would talk and I would rehearse, I would rehearse and rehearse and things that I once could not do on the basketball court because I practiced them so much became like second nature to me. That's okay on a basketball court and that's okay with a lot of things but when you put these two words together, practicing and sin, we're fools if we don't believe that we don't become really good at sin. And the problem with really, really good sinners is we become dependent on this sin. It's it's addicted. It's, It's something we fall in love with. It's something that we have to have because it's who we are. It's almost in our identity. And John is writing to people that have been practicing sin. And he says it like this. He says, those who have been born into God's family, they don't make practice of sinning. He's like, we don't do this. You ever had one of those family moments where you just call it, I I do, we got three kids, and uh, there's been times where it's like all kinds of things are going on in the house. I've got an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 7-year-old, and there's times where it's like what's going on in here? They're fighting, they're yelling, they're screaming. I don't know what's going on, and there's been times where I just stand up and say, hey, stop. We don't do this. This isn't what butterfields do. It's my last name, just so you know. Butterfield. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> we don't do this. This is what John's doing. He's saying and saying, "Guys, we don't make a practice of sinning. We can't. Children of God don't do that. Children of God are supposed to look like God, think like God. They are not supposed to be practicing in a direction that costs God his most sin." He says, so they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. First John five says, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. The problem with sin is this, is that it's fun. Sin's instant effect is pleasure. And we live for pleasure. It's fun. If you're sinning and not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Sin is pleasurable. And as humans, we fall in love with pleasure. We live for pleasure and whatever will give us pleasure, we will partake in. Sin is pleasurable. The problem is that sin's long-term result is death. It's the same reason we're instructed or told to by by whoever tells us these things to not eat sugar. But we like sugar. It tastes good. We enjoy it. I really like it. Kids love it. But it's addicting and what happens is over time it begins to change our bodies, harm our bodies. This isn't a call to physical health. This is a call to spiritual health. Wholeness. Sin would be a lot less attractive if the wages were due immediately. But because the wages are deferred, it's like that credit card that we just keep racking. It's, it's Christmas time. You guys definitely know what I'm talking about. We can afford everything. Why? Because we don't pay for it now. But oh my, January's coming. And we see that and we go, oh. <gasps> In the physical life, we can somehow pay this thing off eventually, but sin's cost is more than we can ever pay. Pastor has said many, many, many times that sin will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. It'll take you further than you ever wanted to go, and it'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And this is the life that we live. It's one that's ruled and regulated by sin, and John is saying, stop sinning, we don't do this. Stop practicing sin. And it infiltrates every area of our life. You see, what I don't wanna do is give you a list of sins and then we say, yep, that's mine, I need to stop. I want the Holy Spirit to speak uniquely and individually to you and say, say God, what's that area, of? am I practicing sin? Think about a marriage that is connected by paper, you know, through vows and through state law, but there's no connection and sin has taken part. There's been sin in the marriage. They live for themselves and not for each other. They are unfaithful to each other. And you feel results. It's for that momentary pleasure that you contaminate this thing that God had intended to be. United, connected, whole. And that done over a long period of time just begins to separate, 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 separate. You can take whatever category of sin that you might find yourself practicing in and the result is still the same. It's separation. And sin at its very best will bring an imitation of what real life should be. But God said, I've got something real authentic. I've got a real intimate relationship that you're supposed to have, but it cannot be contaminated by sin. And then a life that's practiced sin for so long because what happens over time is you begin to live a life of regrets after you've gotten the credit card bill (laughs) or after you've eaten enough sugar. We've recently taken on, um, we, we, we work out in the mornings and we work a heavy bag and the reason I'm working a heavy bag is a few different reasons. Uh, heavy bag is just a, a punching bag, sorry. And uh, the reason I'm doing that is first because uh, my wife wants me to, <laughs> that's wisdom right there. Okay, so there's that, it's to get more energy, but it's to, to bring into shape my physical body. I realize that as, I've, as I'm in my 30s a little bit, into my 30s that I'm not who I was in my 20s in my 20s I could eat anything that I wanted to and it just disappeared it was like magic it was amazing in my 30s it's just been a little bit different so I'm like I gotta work for this and uh the candy bars are sweet and the cokes are too but my goodness when you're punching a heavy bag like it's gonna cost me 85 punches and 13 leg kicks to take this bite of a Snickers it's like eh (laughs) What happens in life is we begin to live a life of regrets for things that we've done, for places we've been, for sin that we've practiced in. And this is what John is trying to communicate to his church. Now remember, John is always talking about love. And love personified is Jesus. So Jesus comes to this earth with a motive of love but with a mission to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the the strength that sin possesses. And John begins to speak on what do we do with this problem that we have now because all of us have the problem of sin, none of us are immune to it. But how do we actually handle it? Because the way that we handle and respond to sin directly influences the health of our relationship with Jesus. So he puts this out there in 1 John chapter 1 he says, but if we confess our sins to him, he, is Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from wickedness. The first thing that he says to do, he says, admit it. Man, just admit it, don't try to hide it, don't try to act like it never happened. He says, admit it, get it out there. Yep, I messed up, admit it. Why is that so hard to do? And just in life, it's hard to do when it comes to sin, but it's just hard sometimes to admit our failures, our shortcomings. Why? Because we're proud and we think we in and of ourselves can accomplish this thing, this goal of life when we cannot. So we can either choose to hide and bury ourselves in our own pride, which results in being a facade and a fake person, a shell of a person or admit it Allow brokenness to take place and begin to move forward. I was studying, getting ready for this message uh, yesterday and I was sitting at our, at our bar and my daughter, uh, Emma, she's 11, she was sitting next to me. She was just kind of reading over my shoulder and I was at this point, admit it. And I, I put that there. She said, you know, dad, she said, just tell them the ABCs. I was like, huh? I said, what are you talking about? She said, the ABCs with Jesus. I said, what's that? She said, admit it believe that Jesus died for your sins, and change. I said, get out of here. So, here's the ABCs. (laughs) Quote Micah, not Emma, okay? No, admit it. Admit that I, I messed up. I've sinned, I'm practicing sin, admit it. But Jesus, I believe that you paid the price for sin. And then we've got to become a church that applies the letter C, change. Quit. Quit it. Admit it and quit it. This is not very difficult. Admit it and quit. Quitting it is what the biblical word is repentance. Now what happens when we give our life to Jesus, when we admit that we've fallen short of God's standard, we believe in the name of Jesus, we confess our sins to him, He begins to illuminate things in our life that need to be corrected. He loves us way too much just to leave us in the state that we're in. So he begins to to challenge and critique and change maybe some sin that we've practiced our entire life and never have even thought once wrong about it. But he says, you need to change. And the way that he does it is through the word of God. It's through Sunday mornings. I'm still amazed how often somebody will come up after a sermon and say, man, this is what, thank you so much for saying this. It changed my life. I'm gonna change this. I'm thinking, I didn't say that. What it is, is it's the Holy Spirit speaking directly to your heart in the form of conviction. And conviction is an opportunity for you to respond to his voice. Admit it and quit it. But in our own effort, without God, we rely on grit and determination and just hustle. We're gonna change who we are. And at the very, very best, all we'll do is modify the behavior but never touch or change our heart or our soul. This is why Jesus came to this earth, but quitting is so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to quit sinning, right? I keep falling back into it, it's because quitting oftentimes without Jesus is just man's effort. To quit something we have to lean into something else and repentance is a two-fold process. It is admitting, it's saying I was wrong and I'm going to turn away from this. But when you turn away from something, you turn towards something else. And when you turn away from sin and repentance, you're turning towards Jesus. And when this this moment occurs in our lives in our hearts that we're turning towards Jesus and we're no longer seeing our lives as our own but we're seeing our lives as Jesus, this is the game changing element in our life. When we turn and submit our lives to Jesus because John continues this letter to the church because he's facing the same things that we're facing today. And he says, stop it. He's had the family moment where he stands up and he says, sit down, stop it, quit it. And when you quit it, don't forget why. And he begins to recount, recall the stories that he saw with Jesus. And don't forget Jesus. He came here and he lived a life that wasn't ruled by sin, that wasn't practicing sin. And he loved you so much that he gave his life so that that sin that you're committing or practicing or stuck in, that you won't have to pay that debt. You won't have to pay the piper because that debt is death and separation from God, our creator. And when we turn from that and look to Jesus, we realize through the book of 1 John who Jesus is when it comes into account or comes into the sight of repentance. We see that Jesus is our our attorney or our advocate. He says this in chapter two, the very beginning. He says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. He says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate or an attorney who pleads our case before the Father. And just so you know, this attorney or advocate has never lost a case. It says that he's going to the Father. It says that he's Jesus Christ. He's our advocate and he's the holy, he's the righteous one. It's saying that when we turn our sin over to him, that he takes it and he looks at us and he says, okay, yep, Micah, you messed up but now that you've put it in my hands, I'm gonna go to the Father. And he approaches the Father, God, and he says, don't forget who I am, I'm righteous, and I'm coming on behalf of this person. And he says, don't forget, I mean, because the Bible's super clear when it comes to man and when it comes to God. It says that God can't look upon anything that's unrighteous. It's unclean, it's impure because he is righteous. That's why Jesus has to come in between us. Jesus goes to the father and says, hey dad, just a reminder, you can't look at them for what they've done. You got to look at them through me. And then he looks through his son who's righteous when we've handed our stuff over to God, to Jesus, and he sees us as righteous once again. This is what repentance really is. This is where the power in repentance really lies. He says, I'm your attorney. This is what John's pinning to the church. I'm your attorney. Then he says that Jesus, your attorney, paid the debt of your sin. Chapter two, verse two, he says, he himself, he is Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones that pays for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the world. This is the good news. This is what I believe Jesus goes and tells the Father. Hey, hey, I'm righteous, you gotta see him through me. And remember, you said if I would do this, you remember 2017 years ago when I went to earth and I lived a sinless life, and I gave my life so that they wouldn't have to lose theirs, I paid the debt for their sins, and he just reminds them again. This is what Jesus does for us. And this is why John's continually telling the church, and at this point, it's probably about 90 years since Jesus has been there, okay? He's already having to remind the church, hey, don't forget what Jesus did on the cross for you. Don't forget the love of Jesus through the cross is the main thing. This is why we exist. And I'm telling you, if we don't keep our focus sharp and on the person, the image of Jesus, we will become infatuated with fixing the things that we do and never on the condition of our heart, which is supposed to be postured towards the love of the Father. This is what repentance really brings. Then he continues. He says, so yeah, he's your attorney. Yeah, he's paid the debt of sin. And just so you know, the the works of the enemy, those things that have have handcuffed you and put you in shackles for your entire life, I destroyed those two. He says in chapter three, verse eight, he says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. He's saying it again, stop sinning. You're supposed to look like Jesus. He says, who has been sinning since the beginning, but... The son of God came to destroy the works of the devil and that he did. He destroyed the power, he destroyed the strength and for those that call upon the name of Jesus, they are no longer slaves to sin. Sin no longer holds strength in your life. There's stories told about elephants in Asia and what they do when it's a baby elephant is they tie a rope attached with a chain to a small stake in the ground. And as that baby elephant begins to walk, it reaches its limit of how far it can go. And it says, I can't, I can't go any further. This is where I'm supposed to be. It's training an elephant. And what takes place is as this elephant grows, they keep the same string and chain on this thing's ankle. These massive elephants with all the power in the world at their disposal, as they begin to walk, as they're fully grown, they tug on it just a little and feel just the slightest bit of pressure. They stay there. Why? Because they're a slave to this. It says that when Jesus came to this earth, that sin for you and for me without Jesus, it is too strong. We can't make it and we are handcuffed. But when he came, he cut that thing. And what we do though as believers, as people in the church, is we look and focus way more on the sin or the struggle than that which has already destroyed the works of the enemy. I'm telling you today, he's your attorney He's already pled his case, he has set you free, but he has destroyed the works of the enemy. And because of this, we should have all the confidence in the world when it comes to the category of sin. Yes, sin is powerful. Yes, Satan does have power. Yes, Satan has a goal for your life to steal, to kill and destroy, but there is this overwhelming confidence that comes into the life of a person that follows the person in the image of Jesus because it says, and John just continues, I feel like he wrote this letter not really for that church but for us, right here, right for you and for me. He says this, even if we feel guilty, and oh, isn't that true? We feel guilty about the things that we've done, (laughs) about those places we've been, the decisions we've made, God is greater than your feelings. He's bigger than your feelings. The Bible says that he's removed our transgressions, those separators as far as the east is from the west. Those things are out of sight, out of mind. They're no longer there. We can no longer entertain and get all caught up in our feelings and our emotions because God has put purpose. He has put us on the same mission that he came to this earth for. And if we're overwhelmed by feelings and things that we've done, we're no longer pursuing the mission that he's put us and called us on here. It says, so even if we feel guilty, God's bigger than your feelings. He says he's way bigger. Says this, dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. We can come to him. And the other thing that he says, this is in chapter four, verse four, he just continues this. Uh, You think when you hear the category of the topic of sin that it's gonna be all Debbie Downer in the room? And it is, sin without Jesus is incredibly depressing. But sin in light of Jesus is incredibly full of hope. Because he ends it with this, he says, four, verse, chapter 4, 4, he says, but you belong to God. My dear children, you have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in you in the world. He says, you've got the victory. You've got the goods. You can be confident in that. I've taken on the role of coaching a seven to nine year old basketball team, which is my son's team. And it's a incredibly frustrating uh, thing. I'm an assistant coach, so I'm not not the head coach. Thank the Lord. Okay, so we played a game two weeks ago and, and just got hosed, 25 to 10. We just got beat bad. And uh, what took place is the other team had a player that scored 23 points. And do the math real quick, 25 to 10, one scored 23. Uh, The other team, uh, the other four players that were on the court were beneficiaries of having the game changer, the winner already on their team. He guaranteed victory. You could put that young guy with anybody else and the combo with him and anybody else (laughs) is going to equate a winner. Jesus is the game changer. Jesus is the game changer. He's guaranteed our victory. He's guaranteed your victory. So, so there are results that come from living a life that responds to sin the right way. I'm reminded of a story of a lady in our church she's when I say our church uh, I'm not telling you what location because it's our church it's all the same thing Gulfport Long Beach and Wiggins and whoever wherever else we go but this lady was going to one of our locations and uh this location okay I have to for the sake of the story I have to say the location sorry won't make sense other than that four years ago we were getting ready to open our Long Beach location and she lived right down the road And she's got a a pretty brutal past as far as things that have been done to her and just the life that she's lived and even practicing sin. Uh, She's never one to admit that sinless perfection was her struggle, it was practicing sin. And life was just very hard. Had some difficult experiences in church she'll be the first to admit that she lost hope in, in pastors and church leaders and lost hope in church itself. She said, trusted God, but didn't trust the church or pastor. She said she felt like God was telling her to go to church. Go to this church. Give it a try. We had this sign that said, coming fall 2014. Well, she showed up one Sunday, one of the first Sundays we were there, and she sat in the, the back right corner. And she said uh, she was frustrated. She says it was loud music. It wasn't really her thing. She didn't really like it. She said people were all smiling. She didn't believe that it was true that people would actually like to go to church, you know. I love hearing stories like that. People are like, these people are crazy. And then they come for a little while like, I think they're real. But that's what was going on. And she said she listened to the message. It really wasn't for her, which is always encouraging to a pastor. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the affirmation. And she said she was leaving And uh, she basically just told God, I did it. There you go, done. She walks out to her car and she's got two flat tires. And she says, okay. And can't figure out how to do it. So she walks inside and asks someone for help. And they say, ma'am, sit down inside drink some coffee, we'll take care of your tires. So she goes and sits down and drinks coffee and a friendly person, friendly smiling person comes up next to her and just says, it's gonna be okay, you know, everything's okay. And they change her tires and she leaves and she's like, oh, and he says, you can trust these people. And he says, I want you to go back. She still didn't like the church, but the people, <laughs> the people weren't that bad. <laughs> so she comes back comes back and she said this time she sat down on one of the rows and the person that helped her change the tire and was always smiling at her came and sat beside her so now she had a friend (laughs) sits in church listens moves on leaves says that God says you need to come back again she comes back, about three months into it, she keeps coming back to church, and this time she's progressed. She's no longer back here. No, no, no hate to the back row, by the way. I'm just, just, this is just the story. She moves up a couple rows, finds herself up here. Front row, same smiling people around her, sitting there with her. And she said she came in and she said it was just, she said it was like a, a light switch went off. She went into the service, she says in the music, she says she felt something in her chest. Truth is, it was probably the subwoofers, but. Um, <laughs> But she sat there and she said, in the middle of the second song, she said she just started to weep. And she said, I just, I cried. She said, it was like a refreshing, uh, like a, she used a cleansing cry. She so said, she cried through the whole service and at the end of it, she made a decision to follow Jesus. Three months into this thing, yeah, 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 that's awesome. She says, she made a decision to follow Jesus. And the very next day, it felt like all hell broke loose. She said everything that was going right before or seemed like it was going right, she said she was doing the exact same stuff that she'd always done. But this time, God was like speaking to her, like, don't do that, quit it. And she said it was frustrating. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And at that spot, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit is is working on you, you have a response. God's conviction demands a response. And your response is either to go the way that you want to and get instant gratification or instant pleasure or follow the ways of the Lord and become more like Christ. So incrementally, She's responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And she said, this same smiling friend who's now just sits by her all the time and doing all of that kind of stuff. And she's smiling back now too. Invites her to a small group. And she says, she's heard about small groups and she will be the first to admit that the reason she went to a small group was because me, the pastors kept talking. You need friends. (laughs) You need to be connected to people. You need to be in a, a circle with other people. So she went there. And the first few weeks she heard about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, she went to a Freedom, and LAFE small group. And she said that she just began to empty herself of all of her past. The things that the enemy tried to destroy her with were all of a sudden becoming a platform for God to use her with. And it was just, I watched her go to retreat. And there's not many better things that you can do as, as a person that's able to connect with other people than to watch other people get free. She got free, man. God touched her life. And it was an incredible experience to watch this last freedom retreat three years later. Her standing right there praying for people over the same struggles, fights, and plans of the enemy. But she was praying that they might be set free, that they might be whole, that they might be full. I say all of that because that is a direct result or response to a life that is handling sin the right way. First John chapter five says this, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. This is the first step has become a child of God. You can't change who you are before you change where you stand. And the first step is to become a child of God. And it says, everyone who loves the father loves his children. We know we love God's children if we love God and we obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. That means following what he says instead of what we want to do. And his commandments, and this is what's amazing, because when you give your life to Jesus, his commandments that were once overwhelming and burdensome, it says that his commandments, when there's been a heart change, is no longer burdensome. It becomes, I wanna do this, why? Because it's pleasing to God. It's not for any other reason, it's pleasing my creator, my savior, my healer, my redeemer, it's pleasing God says, for every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Only those. Many of you in this room are reaping the results of a life that's practicing sin. You may have called on the name of God in the past for salvation, but you are not following the leading of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the topic of sin. My prayer for you in this moment is that the word of the Lord would become louder and louder in your life and that you would become more sensitive to the leading and to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit will speak, but you have a responsibility to respond. My other prayer is for many people in this room who are not just practicing sin, but have no foundation, that they are not a child of God. Today's the day to just be honest with yourself, to be honest with your creator, to admit it, to believe and to change. The ABCs, there's different groups, but the answer is still the same. And the answer is Jesus. Would you guys bow your heads with me for just a moment? God you're here with us and God I thank you for that God we love the fact that you are here and God that you're speaking to us so God right now I pray over everyone in this room God that the word of the Lord that the voice of the Lord God that we would be people that are filled and led by your spirit God people in this room people watching online God wherever we're viewing and hearing these words right now God I pray that you would visit us right here and you would begin to work in us And God, as you begin to work in us, as you begin to make clear the ways, as you just begin to say, stop, quit, or reveal to us in the word or in messages or even through friends, God, we will respond to your leading. Right now we repent of going our own way, of doing our own thing. God, right now we repent God, of allowing ourselves to be separated from you. God, we're coming to you, admitting our struggles, admitting our faults. God, we're thankful that you love us so much that you'd go to the Father on our behalf in all of your righteousness. Now, God, I lift up the many people in this room who do not have a foundation of faith in Jesus. I want to talk to you. I just want you to Just allow God to to test your heart right now, to speak to you clearly. And what I'm asking you to do is to just ask God, do I have a relationship with you? Have I given my life to you or have I just done my own thing? Holy Spirit, would you speak right now? The Bible is remarkably clear when it says that God loved you so much that he didn't want you to inherit, that he didn't want you to inherit the separation from him that your sin would lead you to. And because he loved you that much, he sent his son, his one and only, his very best for you. You were worth Jesus to God. And it says that anyone who believes in this shall be saved and will have eternal life with him. If you're in this room right now, And you're saying, that's exactly what I need. Exactly what you're talking about. I just want you to confidently lift your hand up. You could put it down. We're gonna pray together and help you connect to Jesus. Anybody that says, yes, today's the day I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Thank you so much. Anybody else that says, yep, that's me. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you. This is your moment. Just respond in your moment. One more time, if you have not raised your hand, but you're saying, yes, 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 that's me. Respond now. You can lift your hand and put it down. We're gonna pray together. Awesome. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And the prayer prayed from a heart that's open to God is a prayer that's gonna connect to God. It's gonna turn his ear and it's gonna save your soul. So I just want you to agree in your heart with me as we pray this, God. I'm separated from you. And I believe, I know that you're speaking to me right now. So right now at 1225 on Sunday morning, I'm repenting of my sins. Those things that have separated me from you, my sin nature, and I'm turning from them and I'm turning towards you. Jesus, you gave your life for me. I believe and I know that you died on the cross for my sins, so right now, I'm giving you my entire life, all of me, all the good, all the bad, God, it belongs to you right now. I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, would you give it up for those that made decisions?
1: If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we wanna send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi if you're in one of those areas we'd love to see you at one of our live services you can visit our website northwood.tv for service times and directions if you'd like to give to this ministry you can do that online as well just go to northwood.tv give or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421 again that's 228-215-3421 standard data rates and text charges may apply Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.